glad you are here tonight. I know you could have been a lot of places, and we really do uh, appreciate it and are honored by the fact that you would choose to take a couple hours out of your Sunday night to be with us. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the members of the teaching team here at Elements, and we are continuing tonight in a series that we began two weeks ago entitled Empty. And when we started this series, we talked about this idea that when Jesus was here, he came and he, he said to his followers, I have come that you might have life and you might have life to the full. That through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and for those of us who place our faith in Jesus, we have been invited into a new way of living. We have been invited uh, to call God our Heavenly Father and to begin to see things uh, through new lenses, to begin to see things from His perspective and what He's doing in the world. And as we begin to do that, we experience this full life that Jesus talked about. Our lives today, even in the mundane, take on a kind of a new sense of purpose and a new sense of meaning. But for a variety of reasons, it's easy for us to get distracted. It's easy for us to get pulled away and to be uh, pulled towards things that are not what God would have for us. Or what we've been talking about in this series is to take things that are in many cases good and to begin to view them in a way that they were never intended to be viewed. And so we talked last week about money. You know, money is an amoral thing, right? It's neither good nor bad. Money all depends on how you use it and how you view it. And when we begin to, when we begin to place our trust in our riches rather than the one who richly provides us with all we have, that's where we get sideways. Money becomes an idol for us and we become enslaved to it and we're constantly worried about what might happen because we've bought into the lie that if I just had more money, then I would be happier. And I'd have more peace. That it'd be more secure. And the only way we begin to move on from that kind of thinking is to, to break the power that money has over us and to become generous people and to learn to see what we have as gifts from God that we have been entrusted with and that we are, are stewards and managers and not owners of our resources. And tonight we're going to talk about another idol that tends to kind of pull us away, and that is the idol of achievement. We are 18 days into a new year, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. seems like New Year's Eve was just yesterday. We're 18 days into a new year, right? And we love, in our culture, New Year's resolutions. Now, I'm, I'm curious because it's always good to, to kind of get a feel for the, you know, who's here with us. How many of you would say, I made some New Year's resolutions, and you know what? I've done a pretty good job of sticking to them. Right? Okay? Yeah? A few of you? How many of you, and you're amongst friends here, would say, you know, I made some New Year's resolutions, but that hasn't really worked out, or I've completely fallen off the wagon? Okay? You're amongst friends. Anybody? Okay, good. Good. We're, a few people are, are honest here. Now, how many of you are like me, and you said, I know I'm not going to keep the resolution, so why bother making it in the first place? Right? See? Okay, you can't lose if you don't play the game, Right? my philosophy at least, you know, we, we love New Year's resolutions. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But one of the reasons is that we want to know when we get to, to 2016, we want to be able to, to look back on this year and to know that we did something significant, that we did something 
meaningful. We want to know that we accomplished and achieved something with our lives that for many of us, it might be a small thing. We want to uh, reach a a physical fitness goal or we want to get better with our money or we want to get better uh, in spending time with God, reading His Word. We want to get more regular in gathering with other believers. Whatever that is, we make these resolutions and we want to look back at the end of the year and we want to know that we've achieved something. We want to know that we have accomplished something to feel like what we did this year mattered, to feel like there was a purpose and a significance to what we did. See, we love achievement and there's nothing wrong with achievement at all. In fact, I would argue that the reason we love achievement and the reason we're drawn to it And the reason we feel good when we accomplish something is because we were made in the image of God. See, God created mankind, and the first thing He ever told them, the first command was to multiply across the earth and to exercise dominion and authority. We were created as stewards. We were created as rulers of this world. And God said, I want you to to multiply, and I want you to advance. I want you to create culture. I want you to invent new things. See, all of that requires intellect. All of that requires that we achieve various uh, things in our lives. We have to accomplish something. Accomplishments are a good and worthwhile pursuit, even ones that maybe don't seem that significant. So a few uh, months back, I found myself in a situation uh, where I looked out in our backyard and it was a terrible brown barren mess. And uh, we had a sprinkler system at the house and we just there was never been grass. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go to Lowe's. I'm going to get some grass seed. I'm going to get some fertilizer. I'm going to put it down and see what happens. Besides, we have a three-year-old, and she has lots of energy. So I thought this would be a great way to just, hey, go run around in the backyard, and she won't come in all covered in dirt. And so I put some grass seed down, and I watered it. And like happens 50% of the time in Arizona, grass actually grew, and it was green. Well, here's the strange thing that happens. Not only does the grass grow, it keeps growing. And I realized, oh, I'm going to have to mow this. In fact, I discovered after the fact that winter grass grows really fast and you have to mow it at least once a week or it just becomes unsightly. And so here I am out there and we have a, a decent size area. I mean, it's a, you know, it's at least as big as this front part of the stage here and, and a little more. And I'm out there and we got a push mower. And I realized, you know what? This stinks. This is going to take like an hour out of my weekend because by the time I walk along and I mow the grass and, and trim around the edges and I pick up all the clippings, now I just lost an hour out of my week. But th- As the weeks went by, something strange started to happen. I started to actually enjoy that. Because when I go out there, the grass has gotten long after growing for an entire week. It's a little unsightly. It's uneven. But when I'm done, it's fairly level. And you're not going to, you know, flip on uh, Home and Garden TV and see my yard featured there as some incredible yard. But you know what? I'm proud of that. And when I finish, I look out and I say, you know what? I enjoy that. I sat out in my backyard yesterday and finished working on my notes after I had done uh, the yard work. And there's a certain sense of accomplishment that comes with that. And, and I realize that's a small and relatively insignificant thing. But you know what? I just think that that's the way that God created our world. We were created to enjoy stewarding and managing the earth. We were created to find a certain level of satisfaction in our achievements. We were meant to enjoy them. Uh, Whether it's doing well in school, maybe you spend dozens or in some cases hundreds of hours working on a paper or on your thesis. Whether it's getting a promotion at work, closing a business deal, uh, getting that sale out there, uh, having finally turning the corner in your marriage after a lot of hard work and effort. 
We were designed to find a certain level of satisfaction in our achievements. Achievements are a good and worthwhile pursuit. At the same time, there's also a a subtle and seductive side to achievement. Because as we achieve, as we accomplish the goals that we set out to do, we kind of start to feel good about ourselves. We begin, whether we realize it or not, to kind of to form and to shape our identity around these achievements. And when other people start to take notice of our accomplishments, when other people start to take notice of what we've done, then we begin to, to latch on to that. And we begin to, to crave that. And without even realizing it, all of a sudden, achievements, they go from something that, is, that are good and worthwhile to pursue, and they, they kind of become an idol in our lives. They kind of become something that, that we obsess over. And when we don't get credit for something, we kind of wonder, we say, well, why, that, why is that? Why is no one noticing me? And we begin to, to put our identity into our achievements. And maybe you've experienced this like I have, where when things go well, when you do well, when you attain the goals that you set out to achieve, then you feel pretty good about yourself. You feel like you've done something significant. And when you don't achieve the goals that you set out uh, to accomplish, when you fail at something, you find yourself wondering, you know, am I... Am I a failure? Is what I'm doing really matter? Am I going to amount to anything significant? Because as we begin to to kind of view achievement and view the way we, we view ourselves through that lens, achievement pulls us in and it becomes an idol for us. And this good God-given desire, the desire to advance and achieve and accomplish things, it becomes something that that weighs us down. It becomes something that hinders us. We become a slave to it. See, this is true for all of us. And you know this, right? Because all of us have faced a situation in our lives where we've accomplished something and we felt real good about ourselves and we failed at something and we felt real bad about ourselves. Why? Because we have have put our identity into our achievements. See, whether you're a a type A, uh, driven, high strung, go get them. It's never enough. Got to keep going, keep going, keep going. Or whether you're kind of a a carefree, never finish anything you start kind of person. All of us in some ways are tempted to form our identity around our achievements. And you hear that and maybe you want to push back on that. Or at least you want to push back on this idea that, that achievement has become an idol in your life. And I can understand that because we don't often think about it this way. In fact, we think about accomplishing stuff as a good thing because our culture values it and God values it too. But but let me ask you some questions here. Have you ever cared more about accomplishing something than you did about the other people around you? Have you ever used others as a stepping stone to get where you wanted to get in life? You didn't really care about the other person. You only cared about what they could do for you. And after the other person had did what you could not do for yourself, suddenly you no longer cared about them because people are a means to an end. See, if you've ever found yourself thinking that way, then you've been seduced by the idol of achievement. Or maybe you've found yourself longing for the praise of others. You've found yourself longing to to be noticed and to be recognized. And there's nothing like it when somebody recognizes you. There's nothing like it when your boss tells you, great job. But what about when you do something pretty good and no one notices? Do you lay awake at night wondering why no one said anything? 
Are you looking for the praise of others to affirm your accomplishments and your achievements? Because if so, then you've been seduced by the idol of achievement. Have you ever gotten caught up in thinking that you're less than someone else because you found yourself comparing your situation with theirs, with your achievements, with their achievements, and yours didn't measure up? You came in well below and you said, I'm 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 not that significant. I'm not that important. Or maybe the reverse is true. Maybe you found yourself thinking that you're better than somebody else because of what you've accomplished and because of what you've done in your life. And we would never say that. And when that kind of thinking crops up in our mind, we suppress it and we push it back. Subconsciously, it comes to the forefront and we say, no, 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 no. You can't think that way because we know it's wrong. And yet, it's still there. And if you've ever had anything like that go through your mind, then you've been seduced by the idol of achievement. Do you find it difficult to celebrate when others succeed? When other people get the attention that you maybe feel like you deserve? Or when other people, their lives go like you wish your life would go? Their marriage turns around? Their kids do what you wish your kids would do? Their financial situation turns around? They get the promotion that you feel like you deserved? And you can't rejoice for them? With them? You can't be happy for them? In fact, you find yourself resentful and bitter? See, if that's ever happened to you, then then you've been seduced by the idol of achievement. Or maybe, are you always wanting to go to what's next? Is where you're at now never good enough? You're always restless. You're always wanting to move on to the next stage of life. I know for me, that has been true almost my whole life. I can remember, I remember being in high school and I thought, man, I'm done with high school. If I could just get to college. And I got to college I said, oh, I'm ready to be done with college. If I could just get out of college and get a job. And then I got a job. And if I could just get married, if I could just finish grad school, if I could just start a family, if I could just have a house, and the list goes on and on and on. And every time we get to that next stage and we think that that's going to be it, that now we're going to be happy, now we're going to be satisfied, and yet somehow we're not. See, if you're always wanting to go on to what's next and you're never satisfied with where you're at now, then you, like me, have been seduced by the idol of achievement. See, achievement was never meant to be something that we placed our identity in. That was never the goal of achievements. That's not why God designed us and wired us to pursue things. But it's so easy for us to get pulled in that direction because our culture says that what we do is who we are. Our world tells us that, you know what? If you just achieve a little more, then you'll find happiness. Then you'll find satisfaction. Then you'll get to that place where you finally do and you fill in the blank. When you do that, then you'll finally be happy. But here's the the interesting and perhaps cruel twist about achievements. The more we place our identity in our achievements, and the more we achieve, the emptier we feel. The more we achieve, the emptier we feel when we look to our achievements as our primary uh, source of validation and as our primary source of our identity. Because we get to these goals every time and somehow it's just, it's never enough. And and if you're here tonight, and and maybe you're not even a Christian, and I'm glad you're here, and you're, you're thinking, well, yeah, I can resonate with that. I mean, that's been my experience because many of us have had that moment where we thought if I can attain and you fill in the blank with whatever it was for you 
If I could just get there, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be fulfilled. Then my life will matter. And we got there, and somehow it wasn't enough. And here's the really interesting part. When that happens, we're surprised. We're surprised because we've been seduced by the idol of achievement into thinking that somehow when we achieve this goal, that's going to be it. And we're shocked when that's not the case. And we really shouldn't be. Because it's been this way since the beginning of time. In fact, almost 3,000 years ago, King Solomon of Israel, a guy who we're going to see his accomplishments tonight, he did some incredible things. And near the end of his life, uh, he sits down and he kind of writes out some, some thoughts about his achievements and his accomplishments. And I want you to listen to what he says. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I'm going to read some verses. These first ones won't come up on the screen. Listen to what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We'll pick this up in verse 3. He says, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Now that's, that's an impressive list. And granted, there are some very immoral things on that list. But that is an impressive list. Solomon had accomplished a lot with his life. In fact, whatever you and I have done pales in comparison to that. Which means that he knows more about this subject than what we do. See, Solomon was responsible for overseeing the construction of the first Jewish temple. You can read about it in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles. It's, it's this incredible building. He has tens of thousands of people under his command who are working to cut the wood and to, to carve out the stones for this. And they bring it from the surrounding nations and they set it in Jerusalem and they build this temple. And then they overlay most all of the interior with gold. It's just an incredible thing. And it takes seven years to complete this. And then during this time, Solomon, he also builds a palace for himself right next to that temple. An incredible structure. That took 13 years to build. See, if you can name it, Solomon had achieved it. Wealthy. Very wealthy. In fact, even by modern standards, he would be considered wealthy today. Certainly one of the wealthiest of all the ancient kings. People, leaders from the surrounding nations would come to him and ask his advice because he was known for his wisdom. See, all of us probably at our jobs, we have a a go-to person, the person we go to when we need answers. Maybe you're that go-to person. But that's nothing compared to what Solomon had. Solomon was the go-to guy for the leaders of the world. And in the midst of all of that, listen to what he says here. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, 
and what I had toiled to achieve. Everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Everything was meaningless. Everything. In the grand scheme of it all, all that he had accomplished, all that he had done, all the people that came to him, all the wealth he had, he looked out and he realized that he was empty. Because that's how it is when we're seduced by the idol of achievement. The more we achieve, the emptier we feel. And it's as if Solomon, he says here, he says, look, you name it, I did it. And I did it well. I did it better than anyone before me. I was successful financially. I was successful uh, politically. I was successful architecturally. I was successful uh, culturally. You name it, I've done it. I've achieved it. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's all meaningless. Because if you're going to put your identity in what you've achieved, then you might as well be chasing after the wind. Wind that you can't see and wind that you'll never be able to catch. Because finding our identity in our achievements is an empty pursuit. So, up until this point, we've talked about this idea of achievement. And the fact that it seduces many of us. And that we're tempted to put our identity in our achievements or our lack of achievements. But it's one thing to recognize, okay, this is something I struggle with. This is something that I I have kind of fallen victim to. This idea that my identity is somehow wrapped up in my achievements. It's an entirely different thing to actually do something about it, to begin to change the way that we view that. So if our identity is not to be found in our achievements, then where should we find it? And what is the healthy view of achievements? How should we view those things in our lives? So to kind of answer that first question, where should our identity be found? Listen to what uh, John says in his gospel. John was one of Jesus' closest followers. And not just like he was one of the 12 disciples, but it was Peter, James, and John. Those were the three disciples who spent the most time with Jesus. So John is very qualified to talk about this uh, subject. He's very qualified to talk about Jesus and who he is and what he means and why he matters to our world. And I want you to listen to what John says in the introductory portion of his gospel. Because when you read this, you don't immediately think about it in this context. But listen to what he says about Jesus. John says in, in chapter 1, verse 12, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. To all who received Him. What does it mean to receive? To receive is to believe. It means we believe in what Jesus did for us. His perfect life. His sacrificial death on the cross for our sins. His bodily resurrection that we turn from trusting in ourselves. We turn from trusting in our own goodness. And we instead place all of our faith, all of our trust in what Jesus did on our behalf. And when we come to that place in our life, 
We become sons and daughters of God. We are given a new identity. See, as Christians, our identity is found in who we receive, not what we achieve. Our identity is found in who we receive, not what we achieve. No longer is the source of our identity our accomplishments, what we do or don't do. Our identity is now found in a who, in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. And when we become children of God, we are given all the privileges, all the rights that come with that. We're given freedom from knowing that we have to be enslaved to this idol that says, I'm going to find my value and I'm going to find my worth in my accomplishments and in my achievements. Christ frees us from having to think that way because he gives us a new identity. And so maybe you're here tonight and you're not a Christian. And if that's where you're at tonight, this is the question that I want you to leave here and ask yourself. Where am I going to find my identity? What's the source of my identity going to be? Because if it's in your achievements, if it's in your accomplishments, if you're kind of at a place where you still think that if I can just get to that next step, then it's going to to fall into place for me, then I hope that at some point down the road, maybe you'll just remember this. And maybe you're here tonight and you're already there. You're already realizing that the more you achieve, the emptier you feel. And if that's where you're at tonight, then Jesus... He says to you, he says, come, come, receive me in faith. Put your trust in me. Let me be the source of your identity. See, when we find our identity in Christ, then we're able to selflessly serve others rather than use them. When we find our identity in Christ, we're able to rejoice when others succeed, even when we don't succeed. When we find our identity in Christ, we're free to begin doing things for others, whether they do anything for us. Christ frees us from being enslaved to this notion that our identity is found in our achievements. And when that happens, and this is probably the most significant part, when that happens, our achievements begin to take on a whole new meaning. Because instead of viewing them through the lens of what we are going to get out of it, we begin to view our achievements through God's, uh, from God's perspective. We begin to see what we do as part of the story that he's writing in our world. We begin to look for ways to use our gifts and our talents to achieve and accomplish things for the glory of God, for his renown. That's what becomes central when we begin to embrace the truth that our identity is found in who we receive and not what we achieve. See, achievement was designed by God. It is a good God-given desire. So don't leave here tonight thinking, well, it doesn't matter what I accomplish. Leave here tonight saying, it really matters what I accomplish. What I achieve matters because it is a part of what God is doing in this world. And figure out a way to get your life in line 
with what God's doing. Ask Him to show you. How do you want me to begin living? How do you want me to begin using my achievements and my accomplishments for your glory and for your fame so that you get the credit and not me? So if you're here tonight and and you kind of realize that, we're going to take communion in a minute. The band's going to come back up. We're going to sing a couple of songs. But during those times, use that as an opportunity to say, you know what? God, I, I admit, I confess, I've been struggling with this. And lay that down. And say, God, with your help and with the help of the, your Holy Spirit, I want to turn from that tonight. I want to stop putting my identity in my achievements. And I want to instead put my identity in your Son. And recognize that everything I have, I have because of Him. See, our identity is found in who we receive and not what we achieve. So let's be people who embrace that truth and who stop chasing after the wind, trying to find our identity in some place that we were never meant to find it and instead find our identity in Christ and realize that everything we ever need and more is found in Him. Let's pray. Father, would you, um, would you take this idea and would you drive it home deep into our hearts? And would you help us to realize those ways where we've gotten caught up evaluating ourselves and our worth based on what we do or what we don't do? Pray especially, God, for, for the men who are here. Because as men, it is so easy to, to equate who we are with what we do. God, you designed us to achieve. You designed us to accomplish great things. But in all of that, that's secondary to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you enable us to live with that reality each moment? And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.